2: Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blenderhead, Blender HD. if you want to follow me there on Twitter. And it's Tuesday, February 1st. It's a new month. It's a new day. That's what we're doing here. Daily Fantasy NBA. We're doing NBA, right? If you didn't have, didn't do well on last night's slate, well, you got another slate. You got another slate coming up, and uh, we'll be going over yesterday's slate a little bit. They take a first look. See at today. I mean, does it matter at eleven o'clock in the morning? I say that every day. I said that yesterday, right? And tons of stuff happened, right? So if you're the first thing in the door, give me those thumbs ups. Give me the thummy thumb in in the in the window right there. Click on stuff, whatever. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Feel free to chime in in the chat. We with NBA, it's hard to it's hard to go over like today's slate. Eight hours in advance when a million things could happen. So the more that you participate, the the better the show could be. See you guys in the YouTube chat. Suki Singh, normally here early. Infamous Tuck, Doug Montgomery, morning. Good to be back. Been away on sabbatical. He's been away. I don't know what he's been doing. I don't know. Click trolls, Matt Mears, Margie Don Yeezy. B-shot faded drumming. Was that bad? Yes. Yes, if you faded drumming yesterday, I don't know what you were doing. Uh, we'll go over that in a second. There was a lot of news yesterday, right? We we started the show yesterday. It's like oh, we got the news and Bede would be out. Okay, that's that was the news, right? It's like okay, so Drummond at thirty seven hundred on DraftKings. Then he had Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, Seth Curry. I mean, Embiid, Embiid's usage is ridiculous. So once you take him out, like everyone's underpriced. Uh, and then we then we started getting news. Then then uh, Sabonis was out, but then like like Goga's out and Brissett is out. So they have like one center, Isaiah Jackson. That's about it. He's gonna have to play. I, I don't know, see how he doesn't play 35 minutes, right? And he's 4,100. Then, then obviously SGA is out, right? We got that that before, that the day before or whatever. So some of these OKC guys were a little bit, a little bit decent, right? Giddy, Dort, those types of guys. Uh then we got Butler, Butler's out, and Tucker's out. Okay, so that upgraded like BAM, Tyler Hero. Right, even though he was coming off the bench, uh, what else? I mean, what else did we get yesterday? Well, we got the Dar- Darius Garland was out. Okay, so that kind of little upgrade and maybe Osman a little bit, and uh, then we got Trey Young right, right before lock. I right, maybe half an hour before lock, twenty minutes before lock. Trey Young, he's out. But they have a, they have a lot of guards in the back. So like you, you could have played like Delon Wright. You could have played uh, Kevin Herder. You could have played Bogdan Bogdanovich, even though he was coming off the bench. You would ha- still have to play, you know, 30 minutes anyway. But you take away Trey's usage and obviously everyone else gets upgraded. Now, these types of things you don't have to necessarily even do in your head. That's why you subscribe to Roto Grinders, right? You subscribe to Roto Grinders. You get the NBA only subscription. Uh, that's the only thing kind of going on now. But I mean, we still have the NFL uh, We we'll showdown stuff for uh, the Super Bowl. We got hockey, right? We got NHL stuff. We got soccer stuff. We got golf stuff mma coming up this saturday another card so if you want the combo premium feel free to go for the go for the whole shebang but uh but if you sign up for for roto grinders you you get you get our projections right we have a projections team that updates that you know and it crayons out okay what does that mean right so they go through they do all do all the spreadsheet magic they assign stuff they you know that they, they they know basketball more than i do what the rotations are going to be, what the usage is going to be, what the assist rates, rebound rates, all that type of stuff. They put it through. They put it through the ringer. Then typically about five minutes later after the news, we get a projection update, and it's like all the work's done for you. So you get to see who gets bumped up, what happens. All right, We saw yesterday, obviously, Embiid's out. Drummond's going to play God knows how much. He's 3,700. Okay? Yesterday, Drummond had a salary adjusted plus minus of 14.43 in our projection. Okay, with a smash rate, which means smash is like a GPP ceiling rate of eighty three percent. Okay, eighty three percent. Isaiah Jackson had a plus eight point four seven, salary adjusted, meaning that his expect his median expectation is eight and a half points higher than what should be expected at that salary, which is which is a lot. Okay, eight is a lot. Fourteen is ginormous. Okay. And uh we projected him to be 60% owned. I knew he would be higher. He came in at 79% ownership. Okay. 3,700. This is the main, this is the main thing, especially, especially in, in NBA, where it's it's not it's not an event-based sport. The, 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 the distributions are much more normal in NBA than it is in any other sport. Don't think in terms of chalk and not chalk. That is not that black, That's black and white thinking. This is in all of DFS. It's not just NBA. You can think of MLB, NFL, anything. It's not about oh, oh, we have a receiver that's going to be thirty-two percent owned in football. Oh, we're going to have a, a, a pitcher in MLB who's going to be forty-seven percent owned. Oh, that's very high. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fade that because I need to fade the chalk to win GPPs, right? I gotta fade it. Gotta gain relative value. If you've taken my course, that's that's the term of you know. You want you want points that other people do not have, and you want people to have less points that a lot of a lot of the field has, right? A 70% on player that gets zero helps you a lot when you don't have them. Right. And the same thing with a guy that's 1% don't gets 70 points, because 99 percent of the field doesn't have that. That's relative value. If you go to theoryofdfs.com, I teach that in my course. Those those type those types of concepts. But I also teach the concept of it's not it's, nothing's black and white. It's not a matter of chalk and not chalk. There's no such thing as good chalk, okay? Good chalk, that's very black and white terminology. Think more in terms of under-owned and over-owned, okay? So a player could be chalky, could be 50% owned. Is that under-owned or over-owned? Depending on their price and projection, their position, you know, the context of a slate. The chalky's player on the slate could still be under-owned. We could also have a contrarian. You could have an under-owned, you know, a guy that's uh, only 4% owned. You go, oh, a contrarian play. He could be over-owned. Maybe based on the projections, that 4% owned player really should only be 2.5% owned. So for, in a vacuum for that just player, that's player's distribution in and of itself, you're not. You're getting negative leverage. You're getting less relative value from them from playing a four percent owned player. That's going to be only two two and a half. You know uh, two, that should be two and a half percent owned. So with Drummond yesterday, he was seventy nine percent owned in the large field DraftKings GPP. He was under owned. If you told me he was seventy nine percent owned, I would. I mean, I had him in. I had I played fifty lineups. I think I had him in forty-seven out of fifty. That's what he ended up in. Right? If I go, if I go to my my lineup set, I go to my lineup set. Yes, I had a fifty lineups. Yeah, ninety-two percent Drummond, seventy percent Jackson, fifty percent Harris. Right? I played a lot of chalk. They may not all be in the same lineup, but like Jackson and Drummond, it was almost hard to build lineups that projected well enough. You could limit your ownership in other ways. Jackson was under owned also. Jackson came in at 44%. Owned. He was under owned. Jackson probably should have been around maybe 50 to 55% owned. Something, something around there. If you would have told me 55 I would say that's about efficient. Drummond should have been 95% owned at 3,700, playing 30 plus minutes. At one and a half fantasy points per minute. He's under owned. Oh, I'm going to fade him because everyone's playing. Well, look at, look at this. I mean, all you have to do is think this way. Okay. You have Drummond here, right? So run, run just the optimal lineup. Okay. 308.7 with Drummond's 10 X in there. Like 10 X. Right. 9.93 point per dollar, which is absurd. In basketball, now take him out. Now I'm going to x him out. Three hundred eight point seven without Drummond. Two ninety seven point nine three. You're 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 giving up. You're giving up about ten points in median projection by not playing. It. You'd still have to play like all the ch- a lot of the chalk. Also, you'd have to play Giddy and Harris and Bam and Jackson. Some DeLon Wright, from Steph Curry. Your total lineup ownership is still going to be fairly high, not as high as with Drummond, but still fairly high. So you take out Drummond, you're giving up ten points in projection. Okay, so here's well let's 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 uh, do it do it do a thought experiment. Okay, these numbers are not based on my ownership here, so let's 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 put this down to one. Okay, so let's let's run the one lineup. Okay, let's do unique players one. Let's take away this cap. Okay. So here's the lineup without. Let's let's put Drummond in and run run it once. Okay. So to get to get with with the actual with the actual ownerships in there. Because I, I did it before the show. Okay. So same projection, obviously. We're still using the player projections. Total lineup ownership is 269
1: if we take out drummond
2: total lineup ownership is 211 okay but you're sacrificing you're sacrificing 11 points by not playing drummond now can we make a lineup with 211 that has drummond in it that gets higher than 297 so let's let's see if we can 211 that's what we're looking for so i'm going to put drummond in I'm going to go to build rules. I'm going to put 211 right here. That's the max we want. Just build one lineup. We may have to build a couple. Okay? Here, 197. Here, not even 211. Okay? So let's, let's compare these lineups. Let's save these lineups. Save this and all lineups below. Let's save this lineup. And let's save this lineup. Okay? So here's our three lineups. Here's the lineup with everyone. This is essentially the cash line, right? The highest median projected lineup based on our projections as of 636 last night. 308.7 at 269. The best lineup without Drummond has a total lineup ownership of 211 and projects for 297. So it's like, if you were to fade Drummond, this was the best possible lineup. Best. Based on our projections that you could have got 297.35. Well, here's a lineup that has Drummond. We say we don't want higher than 211. So here's a lineup that is owned less. It's at 197. This is 211, remember. The one without Drummond is 211. The one without Drummond is 297.35. The one with Drummond is 300.75. So the drop down. From this optimal, it's about eight points. And you're dropping even more ownership than you did before, but you're gaining three more, three and a half more points over the other lineup that doesn't have Drummond in it. So this lineup has Drummond. Drummond, Harris, Curry, Bogdan, Powell, Halliburton, Dort Adebayo. It has less ownership. And it still has Drummond in it. Right? This one doesn't have Jackson in it. Right. You can see here there's no, there's no. Isaiah Jackson. I bet you we could find lineups that have both Drummond and Jackson. So we're trying to beat this 297 at 211. So let's try to do that. 297 at 211. Let's build more lineups. Okay. Let's build 100 lineups. Let's see. Max line ownership is 211 because we have to beat, we have to have a lineup that's lower owned than that, but projects better than 297. So let's see how many lineups that is. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put in, and we're only doing one unique whatever. We're just seeing how many lineups could there be? hundred. Let's, let's see if we can even have, maybe there are a hundred lineups
1: in between that. Maybe there's not. I don't know.
2: That's what we're seeing. Okay. So 297 is the lowest. So we want to eliminate anything that's under 297. Okay. So let's go all the way down. Okay, here's 296s. Okay? Even though you could play those, here's some 296s, 297, which what's the exact number? Let's go with the exact number. What's the exact number on that non and lineup? 297.35. Okay, so anything under 297.35. 297.35. Let's see. Here's a, here is a 297.35. Here's a two ninety seven point three five. The one that doesn't have Drummond in it. So yeah. So anything below here, delete all lineups below. Here, okay. So that lineup that had that had no drum that had no Drummond. You're like, I'm fading Drummond. The best lineup you can make without Drummond was that two ninety seven line. There are twenty six other lineups that are that ownership. And that projection or better. And out of those lineups, out of those 27 lineups, 26 of them have Drummond. Right? Three have Jackson in it. So let's take a look at these lineups that have Jackson and Drummond. You're all the two chalkiest guys. How do you do that? Well, look, I was able to get, look, a lineup 206, which is under 211. And 298.35, which is higher than 297. A a point higher median projection. Bogdan, Curry, Powell, Jackson, Drummond, Halliburton, Dort, Curry. And this is with the actual ownership. So this is not even with projected ownership. This is the actual ownership. So you can't say that's a little bit off. This is the ownership. Right? You go down here. You still see Jackson, Drummond, Curry, Struss, Nurkic. These li- and these lineups are not like these. Not lineups aren't like crazy. Yet these are the lineups that I was building. These are the types of lineups that I was building. If you take a look, at my lineup set, right? Look at look at look at my look at my exposures. Drummond, Jackson, Harris, Halliburton, Atabayo, Curry, Giddy, Fenley, Dort, Struss, Duarte, Curry, Hero, by less than the field on Hero, Barnes, Barnes, and oh, ugh. ugh, the Kings. Right, I wasn't building nuts. So, lineups. Right, I was building lineups. If we take a look at the projection versus ownership on these, okay, well, these have the, the original projected ones. Like, I'm getting still in that range in that 200 to two, the 180 to 220 type of range here. So it's like if you did, if you just even did this experiment, which which I don't have to do. I've done this a million times. I could always look at a at a at a guy that has, uh, that has uh, an rgv a salary adjusted plus minus of that high, and a special rating of that high, and go like this is this is this is a near lock. This is if then this is a ninety five percent officially owned guy. They're not going to be 95% owned. They're going to be less than 95% owned. I'm actually getting positive leverage by playing. Isaiah Lev- Jackson came in at 54. About efficient. I think about efficient. Somewhere in that range, 50 to 60 range. Right? I thought the most, the most over owned player, like if we sort by, by ownership here, when compared here, like I think McCollum was a little over owned.
1: Hero was about efficiently owned. Like some guys, like, I think Max Maxi was fine. Steph Curry was fine. Like guys like DeLon Wright
2: was, was under-owned. I think Halliburton was actually under-owned at 16 by a little bit. Seth Curry was under-owned at eight. Max Struss was under-owned at eight. Bogdan was under-owned at six. I think Powell's a little bit under-owned. Herder was a little bit under-owned. Trey Mann, 3%. Abaca was under-owned. It just didn't fit into a lot of lineups.
1: So guys, guys can be popular. Like Giddy,
2: 41% over-owned. Tobias at 38%, maybe slightly over-owned. Slightly. Maybe slightly. 35 maybe. Giddy probably should have been like 30 to or 32 Still fine, one of the best projected players on the slate. Doesn't mean you don't play them. But this is what I mean by thinking in terms. Number one, we're building lineups, not players. We're not choosing players. We went through that whole thing of like, well, if we take Drummond out, what does our lineup look like? We put Drummond in. Can we get to that? Can, can we get to that ownership level for your total lineup and have a better projection? And it turns out you could. Plenty. You could play plenty of Drummond lineups that were better than non-Drummond lineups because Drummond projected for so much higher for his salary than anyone else on this slate. So even at 79% ownership, he was under-owned. Don't think in terms of chalk. Like, I got to fade chalk. He said, no, you just got to build lineups that have high projections for lower ownership, that balance. Some contain Drummond. some, Some may not contain Drummond. The most will." Because you're giving up 10 points in projection right off the bat by not playing them in the best possible lineup. You can only get worse than that. Like, let's take a look at Jackson, for instance. Okay, we will do that, that, that same exact thing for, for Jackson. Okay? So let's go. The lineup, we're using one just so we could build with the ownership that's currently in here. Okay, let's get rid of this. Okay, so we're going to build that one lineup again with Drummond, with everyone, right? So we have this the, the 308.7 lineup, 269 ownership. So let's take out Jackson. What's the best possible lineup
1: without Jackson?
2: 303.49. Okay. So you're sacrificing about five, a little over five points by not having Jackson. And you're dropping about 35 percentage points in ownership. Sacrificing five points for the best possible lineup, anything could be lower than five, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's pretty, pretty hefty for a single player, five points, but it's doable. That's why I said the efficient ownership on Jackson is probably around 50
1: to 60%. Sacrificing
2: 10 points in projection for a guy that isn't 95 plus percent owned? Why? He's under-owned. If you got rid of Jackson and Drummond, let's say, oh, they're going to be the chalkiest players. I'm going to fade them both. Oh, my God. I'm going to do so well when they fail. Even though they, they 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 succeed, one succeeds eighty plus percent of the time. The other succeeds sixty plus, uh, fifty five plus percent of the time. Okay, I'm going to build one without Drummond and without Jackson. Okay, two ninety three point three one. So the best possible projected lineup you can make without Jackson and Drummond, you had to sacrifice fifteen points to do so. And you were still playing guys like Harris and Bam and Giddy. You're still playing guys that were still, still owned, still chalky chalk, right?
1: Sacrificing 15 points in projection.
2: Now, let's go back. Okay, let's go back and add both of them back in. Now, Giddy was 41% though. so let's take out Giddy. Okay, top optimal is 3087 I take out Giddy, 305.67. So by not playing Giddy, I'm now sacrificing three points. That seems a lot more doable.
1: Right? Let's say I take out Harris.
2: What do I get? 305.4, sacrificing about three points. That's doable. Three-pointer, that's it. Fully sacrificing. Those are the types of guys at 35 40% ownership. That are replaceable. You're sacrificing three points. But then there, then there are people out there that are like, well, I'm not gonna play Drummond, I'm not gonna play Jackson, I'm not gonna play Harris, I'm not gonna play Giddy, and then I'm gonna play a lineup. Well, the best possible lineup from that point is gonna be you're sacrificing 20 points in projection. Is that is that necessary? You can make you can make better as I would say better and you can make lineups that are equally as owned as an aggregate in total that have better projections that have those players in it. Maybe not all four of those players, but three of those players, two of those players, but to fade all four, you're just basically telling the field, I don't mind starting with a 20 point. You guys start with a 20 point head start? and hopefully all of those guys fail. Even though the probability of that happening is, is, is low in comparison to their ownership. This is why you don't think in terms of chalk and not chalk. Owned and over-owned. That's how you should be thinking. Well, this guy's going to be 35% owned. I'm going to fade him. Well, should he be 35% owned? Or should he be 50% owned? Or should he be 20% owned? If you have a 35% owned guy that really efficiently should be 20% owned, you should be more likely than you're, you're not going to get a lot of them. Is not worth his ownership as much. He could still be in lineups. He still projects well. You can have to make up that negative leverage by playing guys that are under-owned, more guys that are under-owned in your lineup. A player that's 35% owned that should be 50% owned doesn't matter that he's the chalkiest player on the slate. He should be 50. Take advantage of that. This happens primarily in basketball only because players' distributed outcomes are much more normal. There's no like home run, like any guy in baseball, any guy could go 0 for 5 on any given day. Mike Trout, 0 for 5. And then the the crappiest hitter can hit two home runs. Like that distribution is not normal. Same for football there, because of touchdowns. Not nowhere near as normal as in basketball. And because outcomes for players are more normally distributed, Like that, that why do you think you go into results DB and you see a lot of players that a lot of a lot of sharp players they typically jam, jam the the high high point per dollar salary adjusted value players and just jam them. Maybe not lock button, but jam like just as much as whatever it is should be. Yesterday I came in fifth in the 20 max. Had a good day, made a a middle over a thousand bucks. If you take a look at my lineup. Heath Heister, eyes, 819, came in first. Right? I didn't play Bane. Right? So even had Halliburton and didn't need it. Gary Trent. Right? You take a look at this lot. Li- take a look at this lineup. You didn't need much. A 4% on Bane. A 8% on Gary Trent. And pretty much like, just give me, give me chalk chalk. Right? Give me Jackson Drummond and whatever fits. Right? Take a look at my top lineup. Right, look, Herter at 4%, Struss at 9%, right? But I had Jackson Drummond, Maxi, a 44% on Giddy,
1: FVV, Steph Curry. I mean, this isn't rocket science. Came in fifth place.
2: We take a look at uh, exposures. This is in the 20 max, I guess, right? So like, let's, let, let's look in, the, let's look in, the, in the, the $15, right? The field on Drummond was 78.6%. Take a look at the exposure percentages of like all these sharp players. 100, 88, 84, 100, 82, 90, 98, 94, 100, 100, 100, 95, 100. This is in 150 lineups. Isaiah Jackson came in at 54%. Here are the exposures, 64, 62, 52, 98, 32, 42, 48, 57, 70, 74, 75, 33, 60, and 50. Most were over. And even if you take a look at Giddy, Giddy was uh, people around field weight, right? 40, right? Petty Theft had 90%, but Petty Theft does a, you know, he, he plays a very tight core and just kind of, this is what I got, and if it all hits, they'll be everywhere. Very condensed, higher variance play.
1: Kobe Harris, most of the sharper players were over on him,
2: right? Morant, not as much so, other than the Colts. Hero, not as much so. Right, the Colts, yeah, the Colts had a much more condensed pool, right? CJ McCollum, pretty light. Steph Curry. Eh, depending on if you're going up or down for a high price guard, Maxi seems like more over than anything, or at least substantial enough. Jetty Osmond, mixed. I guess it depends on whether or not you, you you switched out when that news happened, right? But you just look through here; it's like people got different elsewhere in, in multiple different spots. You could get it right, Seth Curry down here. A lot of people over on Seth Curry, right? Get different with all these types of players, but on the top with the the highest projected guys that have high salary adjusted plus minuses, pretty much jamming them. They're under-owned. Told me Drummond was 95% owned. He probably still shows up in God knows how many lineups. But that's the main reason, because a lot of times... The chalk, to that extent, is not owned enough because there are stupid people out there that go, I'm just going to fade the chalk because that's, that's, they think, too binary, too black and white. Isaiah Jackson, too black and white. On the slate coming up, Dinwiddie we have right now. I mean, as of our morning algorithmic projections. 5,900, Beal is out. Is a salary adjusted plus minus a five point two. So let's let's do that experiment with their current numbers. Okay, so we run the optimal, whatever the top median projected lineup, two seventy six point five nine. Okay, let's take Dinwiddie out. Two seventy one point nine eight. Okay, so we're giving up what two seventy two. 272 to 277, four and a half points, which is a decent amount, but it's doable. It's doable. I think I, what is this efficient ownership? Is efficient ownership on this slate as of the current numbers, the way they are, remember six hours from now, seven hours from now to blow everything up. 800 people are out. People are back and sick and who knows. As of right now, his efficient ownership is probably somewhere around 40, 45%. Probably something like that. So if he's going to be 60% owned, now we're starting to talk about an over-owned player. If he ends up being the chalkiest player at 35% owned, maybe maybe even be under-owned. And that's where people like watch my shows, especially like new players. Or they see me on Grinders Live or Crunch Time. Like, do I like a player? Like, I don't know what you mean by like. I'm building eight player lineups, first off. So I don't care about the players. But it's all in relation to the ownership. Without that number, that there's nothing. I don't know what's going to happen. We have these distributions. That's what projections are. 50th percentile outcomes are the medians. But it could be, I mean, I don't know what's gonna happen today. I don't know. I just know if you sim this out 10,000 times, here are all the outputs. And where, where do they bunch closer together? That's it. But then you compare that to the ownership. If you tell me Dinwiddie, if Dinwiddie's gonna be 80% owned, I'd be like, that that that's a that's a good spot. Maybe maybe you're playing more lineups that don't have because 80% would be over-owned for the slate as it currently stands. But you tell me Dinwiddie is 10% owned, and he may be in every one of my lineups. That decision has nothing to do with, do I think he's going to do well? Or even, even what his projection is. It's the projection versus the ownership. The more under-owned the player is for their projection, the more likely that I'm going to be playing more of them. The more over the player is based on their projection, the less likely, less lineups that he'll end up being. Because those lineups will project lower than lineups that are actually lower-owned than that lineup. This is the FS. Nate Branchrod, do you feel like in general, the field is more likely to respond to news closer to lock? I felt like some of the uh, Atlantic guys came in lower-owned than they should have in my contest. Yes. Obviously, it depends on the stakes. Go up in stakes, the mo- much more observant players. You look at observant players everywhere. But, I mean, the closer to lock the news is, the less that ownership is going to adjust for it. So, like, yesterday, for instance. Like, the Embiid news. Like, Drummond, Harris, Maxi, Curry. Whatever, I mean, that was, all, that was all built in. That was all baked in. You ain't getting a, uh, an ownership discount because the news came in, what, eight hours before the slate? Everyone knew about that. And everyone built lineups based on it. Everyone. 99% of people. There's a bonus news. That came out a little bit, a couple hours later, right? Right, but then, then we still had Goga. Is he going to play? Is Brissette going to play? And we got that around, I don't know, five o'clock or so? Something like that. That Goga wasn't going to play, and then Brissette doesn't look like. Brissette was technically questionable, but or game time decision. But the coach said mm, doesn't look optimistic. So that was like two hours before the slate, an hour and a half before the slate. People, it was mostly adjusted for that. Ownership efficiently adjusted for that to some extent, to the most extent. Butler, the Butler news that was that was that was kind of priced into ownership. But as it gets close, as you get closer to the lock, that Trey Young was the last one. Garland, like Garland and Young, those are the last ones. So now it's not like the Cavs Cavs guys projected all that greatly. They got bumps, right? But it wasn't like, oh my God, I got to smash Jetty Osmond. He didn't have to. It was okay. He went from being nothing to being okay. But most likely, those types of things, they're going to get an ownership bump, but probably not to not to an efficient level. So like DeLon Wright and Bogdan and Huerter, if we knew that information eight hours before then, probably would have been, been more efficiently owned. And none of those three guys were like smash button plays, right? They, they projected, well, they were okay. They were good. They were good. They went from... Kind of off the radar to oh these, these are these are these are good plays, especially at weaker shooting guard and small forward positions right scarcer position but yeah closer to lock I'm more by default the closer the news is to lock the more likely I'm gonna have more of them doesn't mean I'm smash I'm saying oh my god Trey Young is out give me hundred percent the long right I'm not saying that but I, I would lean more towards jamming late news and especially after lock right this late swap is even less than stuff that's like 10 minutes before lock i'll default i'd rather i'd rather i'd rather lean towards being a little bit more aggressive towards towards late news that is closer to lock than news that was eight hours ago or four hours as it gets closer more that ownership will adjust for it to a more efficient level. Doesn't mean it will be efficient, but at least to a more efficient level. You weren't going to go into last night's slate and have Drummond at 22% owned. Oh, no one adjusted for the, uh, not enough people adjusted for the Embiid news. But I can tell you, Drummond would have been 22% owned if we got that Embiid news at 653, right? You would have got 653 Embiid's out. You got seven minutes before the game locks. Right? Like Drummond at that point should be 95% owned. And he may come in at like 25 or 30. I mean, maybe he come, maybe he comes in at 50, even. But even though, like in that scenario, now that's a that's a that's a lot. That try to get him as much. Now you're getting as much as you can. You know he's gonna be massively under-owned for his projection. Harris, too, like Harris would have been, you know, would have been 14% though. Maxie would have been 6% though. If the news was seven minutes before lock. But we got the news seven hours before lock. But yes, I'm with you. I do that in football also. In a surprise inactive at 11.30. 90 minutes before game. The, the, the 1 p.m. lock. Something, you know, we had that, what, two years ago with Zeke. And I just jammed the hell out of Pollard. At like near minimum price, it came in at like twelve percent owned. When if we knew that news on two, if we knew that news, and, and on Wednesday it would have been like fifty six percent owned or something. I'm more
1: li- I'm more likely to be aggressive in those spots. Yes. Masher
2: is one of these better. Okay. The the answer is. There's really no such thing. Getting ownership product down with a 1%-owned player and some chalk versus a collection of 5 to 10%-owned players and less chalk. Obviously, it depends on the projection and ownership, right, of the specific slate. And where, obviously, positional scarcity. I mean, there are other factors into that. But I've answered this before. They're, technically, the, the, the lineups probably have similar expected values. But the, but the one that's i I'd rather have a 4v4 than a 1v1. So I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not big on playing lineups where I'm playing like seven chalk players and then like one 1% don't guy. I'm more likely to have it more spread out. Because the problem comes in is that the seven players that are chalky, that combination of players is going to be in a bunch of lineups as it is. Like the only differentiating factor is that 1% on player. So the only way that I can win is if the 1% owned guy goes off. If I have a 4v4 of 5 to 10% on players, those players typically, obviously they're more owned, project better. So your projection goes up. Your ownership still ends up being about the same, but it gives me more, I get more outs. Right. As long as two pieces of the chalk fail and two of my pieces do well, I can win. In the 1% example, you pretty much need like all the chalk to do well and your 1% on guy to do well. And it's going to be a high scoring slate. So whenever you're playing lineups that are like seven chalky players and a 1% on guy, you're rooting for a high scoring slate. You're rooting for a high scoring slate and having the differentiator. I'd rather root for low scoring slate. I, I want chalk to fail. I don't necessarily want all the chalk to fail, but I want some of the chalk to fail, to start knocking out lineups. And hopefully I have the combination. You know, if there's four chalk players, chalk, right? Remember what I said before, saying terms like chalk and not chalk, it's really over-owned and under-owned. But if, let's say there's four highly owned players. It's like, and you're playing a lot of lineups that have two of the four. Which two, who knows? Whichever ones, Right. You're making 100 lineups, and it's all combinations of two of them. You want two of them to fail. Just two of them fail, half the lineups get knocked out of the contest. Two of them succeed, and then you have the right combination of
1: everyone else.
2: Is it better? Now, if, you, if we ran this out a million times, you'd end up with the same amount of money at the end. The problem is, is that the, the variance on your... Seven chalky one one percent on guy is going to be ridiculous. You're basically going to like lose most of the time and win once. At least with the four v four, you're going to come in. The distribution of your outcomes is going to be more spread out. So really, your is like, oh, do I want to play this this type of lineup five thousand times and lose forty nine ninety nine and win a hundred thousand dollars once? Hopefully, hopefully, if the bankrolls should survive that. Or do you want to play more lesser-owned combinations of players that could be spread along that payout curve? So at the end, yes, you end, you end up with the same amount of money after you know, 700 lifetimes. It's the journey, how to get there. You play with the 1%-owned guy and all the chalk. You may, be, you may be dead. You may be dead several times. You may, be, you may go broke 170 times and be dead 100 times before you actually get to the profitability point. Devin's in the chat. Oh, Devin's here. Even though Steve Steve's doing the producing, but Devin's here anyway. Okay. Long time listener, first time caller. When doing single entry, do you allow smaller discrepancies of efficient ownership to dictate your construction decisions? Not really. I think it's smaller field, single entry stuff. You don't have to, I don't even think you have to get that granular or do you try to focus on the players where you see the biggest discrepancy? Yes. That yeah. Now, now, now you put in my answer. Like let's just say you estimate that a a guy's going to be 22% owned and you think that he should be only 18% owned. That's close enough. Don't that. What are you wasting your time? It's close enough. You're looking for the big discrepancies. Yesterday, Drummond was probably the biggest discrepancy. <laughs> Weird to say that the chalkiest player on the slate was the biggest discrepancy. But if yesterday you played Drummond Jackson to focused on that and the like, okay, is Hero gonna be overowned? Is Bam gonna be overowned? Is Harris gonna be overowned? And then you end up playing like Maxi Drummond Jackson, you fade Giddy. You find some other cheap, like small forward. Maybe you play Osman. You play Osman or, or Struss or one of the Hawks guys, right? Right, Bogdan, Hirter, one of those guys, or Duarte. I thought he was he was fine. And then just jamming, just the optimal from there, and you're fine. You're fine at that point, right? You focus, focus. That you should be. Especially when you're, pl- when you're playing smaller field single entry, you're probably playing lineups that are much closer to the optimal anyway. You're not sacrificing 20 points in a thousand entry single entry contest. Like you're likely not doing that. You're most likely playing a lineup that's like, I don't know, some, within 10 points of the optimal, if not five to seven. So most likely you're playing a bunch of truck anyway, because the truck's the truck for a reason, right? Because they project the best. So how do you get the differentiator by focusing on the biggest discrepancies by going, you know, okay, if I'm going to sacrifice five points in my lineup, what's the best way to do it? It's probably by fading, by fading the guys that are over-owned and playing, playing, playing the good, the, the, the high projected players that are still underowned. So yesterday was Jackson and Drummond, but if you didn't play, like if you had said, okay, I'm not going to play Giddy at 40% or Harris at 38%, say XX, And then thinking that they're they're overowned, and then you just run the run the line just basically run it. I mean, dude, you literally do that, right? If that's what you determined, if you looked over here and you go, I I think uh," right because the best possible lineup right now, right, is a three hundred five point four. Okay, I'm leaving someone out. Who okay Harris? Okay, so the optimal was about three hundred eight point seven based on our projections. So if even if you just said, if you looked at this and you go, I think Gideon Harris are over-owned. Let's just say you thought that, right? And then you run you run the liner from there, 303.96. So you're giving up about uh, four and a half points in projection. Five, four and a half, four and a half points. Just play that liner. There you go, you're done. For a smaller
1: field single entry, there, you're good. Maybe on top of it. Okay, uh, what happens if I don't play Bam either?
2: Down to two ninety nine point five eight. So maybe you don't. Maybe you don't do that. Maybe 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 you don't mind Harris, right? So it's two and maybe you, you fade Giddy, but you still play Harris. Now you're up to three hundred three point three eight. You look at a very similar lineup, right? Bogdan, Halliburton, Struss, Jackson, Drummond, Curry, Harris, Dort. Done. You're done, right? Because you're focused. You're focusing on the biggest discrepancies. You're, you're 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 saying, I, I think Giddy, Harris, Bam are overowned by the biggest amount. So I'll play. Try to, what type of lineup doesn't have them, I and
1: mean, how many points am I am I giving up by not playing them?
2: Because if you just fade Drummond, you'd, you'd give up even more points. So, yeah, so focusing on the biggest discrepancies. Do I care the difference between all a guy is 8% down and he should be 6% down? Especially when you're playing single entry, small field. Those type of distinctions may matter a little bit more in the larger field stuff. But even then, at the, the point, the example that I gave with the eight and six, that may not even matter that much. Because remember, in larger fields, you're most likely playing lineups that are much further off the optimal and much lower owned. So obviously the difference between uh, a 12% owned guy that should be 6 and a 6% owned guy that should be 12 could make a difference in a lot of your lineups. That's 6% difference. As opposed to a guy that's 32% owned that really should be 34% owned. Like, it's not going to make that much of a difference. You shouldn't be spending that much time concerning yourself with that. If he shows up in your lineup, he does. If he doesn't, he doesn't. It's close enough to efficient that, and also the margin of error. Remember, you're not going to know what the actual is. We project a guy for 32% owned. You go, oh, he's going to be over-owned at 32, and he comes in at 18. And you're like, well, if he was 18, I should have played more of him, right? I mean, that's kind of the the skill of DFS, is projecting what the field's going to do. Doo, 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 doo. cg do i use any randomness when i build my lineups no only because i'm deciding what i'm doing i use the tool as an efficiency tool. i will build the lineups that i want i'm not letting the tool oh, i could throw in anyone No, so i want the actual i want the actual projection as it is with my ownership in as it is and i will build my my 50 lineups yesterday Uh, Masher, for a sport with a lot of correlation, MLB and NHL, do you think about over-owned, under-owned stacks instead of players? Correct. Technically, you're thinking about under-owned and over-owned lineups. If you want to think about it technically. But yes, you should not be thinking in terms of players. You should be thinking in terms of total lineups versus the field size, versus the ownership, versus the field size, versus the payout structure. You shouldn't be selecting play. I'm going to play this guy and that guy and this guy and this guy and that guy. And I have 4,200 left. So whoever's left, like that shouldn't be the way that you play DFS. The good thing about a tool like lineup HQ is that you could run lineups and take a look at them individually. Just line up, line up, line up, line, up, line, up, line, up, line up. You're just looking at lineups. So I don't have to think in terms of what players am I playing. It's just like what players make up a lineup that projects for this and is owned at that. That's it. I don't know what's in there. I don't know. Okie doke uh, Yeah. So tonight's slate, tonight's it's not like we have to go over anything. 8,000 things are going to happen probably, right? Is Jokic going to play? Who knows, right? All right, we have Butler questionable. Yeah, but what's the point? What is the point? There is no point. But there is a point in hitting that thumbs up button on your way out the door. Helps us out. It helps us out. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Grinders Live. They'll go over. They'll go over. Grinders Live will go over the slate tonight. Five o'clock, 5'10, 5, 5'10 10, 5, 10 PM Eastern on this YouTube channel. So hit that notification bell. They'll go over. They'll those guys will go over the slate when we have actual more news and stuff. Well, no more. Then at 6 20 p.m. for premium members only. It's crunch time. Andy Means, Kevin Roth, whoever's on with them. They'll react to the late breaking news and everything go over DraftKings FanDuel, everything right before lock. So sign up for Roto Grinders, rotogrinders.com slash premium. And uh and if you want to post questions, if you're if you're listening to the podcast feed and you never hear live, join premium. I got a I got a, a Discord channel in our premium discord, Blender's game theory. So just post your questions there. I answer everything. Uh, we also do group coaching calls about once a week. The next one is Saturday at 2 p.m. for no, noon, noon. I move them around. So it hits people that they can't make it on nights. They can only make it weekends. So it moves around a bunch. And he just basically, it's a Zoom call. And you just get on and talk with, share your screen, talk whatever you want, whatever you want. It's like private coaching in a group setting. So join Roto Grinders Premium. And as always, all the concepts that I talk about are in my course that doesn't that doesn't come up. That I guess I need to, I need to check. I need to check on the domain. I don't know what happened there. I guess it's down for now. The theory of Go there. Go. Well, don't go there right now. Apparently it's down. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go check out what's wrong with that. And I'll meet up with you tomorrow 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 another day's tomorrow where i answer your dfs strategy questions as always on the dfs free game show on rotobrinds.com <laughs>